Welcome to the original and the best Power Hour with Alex Burr and Dylan Hughes, members and podcast of the Running Hook Podcast Network. And welcome to another edition of the Running Hooks Basketball Power Hour. I'm joined, I'm Alex Burr, once again joined by my co-host, J.D. Hall. J.D., in the tradition of throwing a curveball, when you expect a fastball, March Madness is currently happening. I believe there is a game tipping off literally as we speak. J.D., what is your all-time favorite March Madness moment? Um... Wow, that's a tough one. Maybe uh, uh, we was in college, I believe, high school, when UConn, I believe it was UConn Villanova, the last, the the tough shot then, the last second, uh, buzzer beater, Baz Napier, uh. No, not Napier. It's not Napier. Was it Kemba? Uh, it's not neither one. It was a big guy. I think it those teams, I can't remember the teams. I cannot remember the teams. But it was a buzzer beater at the very end by somebody who didn't even go to the league. Are you thinking of Villanova, North Carolina? Bingo, yeah. That's a great one. Yeah, and you know who set him up? Future Bulls point guard Ryan Archidiacono. Man, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. like I like I like Archie. I thought he would have been the next Kirk Heinrich. I was sadly mistaken. Um for my favorite March Madness moment, that's a good one. I mean mine though, I'm gonna go with Suggs. You know, mm. the shot. I was. I knew there. you was gonna say that because you was there. But that's... it's like I think that would be one of my favorites, even if I wasn't there. Just like a half court shot. Yeah, to win a game that, that like was literally tied seconds like earlier, like just beautiful stakes. I mean, I think we use, overuse the uh, term storybook in general. Like when it comes to sports, that was a storybook yeah. ending. Just like, oh no, it looks like the game's going to overtime. Then oh snap, <laughs> it's over just like that. So that's probably my favorite. Um, JD, we're gonna go move on to the news and let's start. With the bad news, Steph Curry um, sustained an injury in his leg after Marcus Smart dived, dove into them. Um, you can debate whether or not it's a dirty play. I don't really care. I don't think it was dirty, and I'm not going to care to discuss it. But if you think it was dirty, by all means. Um, but he's going to be reevaluated in about two to three weeks. JD, there's no chance the Warriors get the two seed with this injury. But do you think there's any chance they fall to like the four or five series with this injury? Um, possible, but I don't think they will. I don't think it's likely to happen, but it's a chance it could. I just don't think it will. So right now, Utah is three games out of the three seed. Dallas is four and a half games out of the three seed. And then Denver and Minnesota are both within, are both five and a half games out of the three seed. So there's only... 12 games left for the Warriors, only 12 games left for the Jazz, 11 for the Mavericks and Nuggets, actually 10 after tonight for the Nuggets, and then 10 left for Minnesota. (laughs) So, yeah, they probably won't fall. 
But I mean, JD, I think we can unequivocally agree. If they were screwed without Draymond, what are they without Steph? Um, I think they need his offensive firepower. But I, I mean, we know since what 2015, 16 that they need Draymond heavily, not just for the defense cut, but also he plays such a huge role on the offense. But um, I think they can win some games without him. I don't think they're better without him. Obviously not. But I think they steal some games. They really need Jordan Poole to step up. Jordan yeah. Poole has been... Go ahead. I, sorry. I think I think um, it's going to take everybody like coming coming into more attacking modes. I think Clay going to have to be 75% Clay. I think right now he running at like 60%. I think he going to have to go up to like 75. Jordan Poole keep that same at, um, aggression and attitude that you've been having lately. Where you going out there, you trying to make things happen. Um, Kaminga, I love that he's becoming more aggressive. So I think he going to have to keep it up. I think... And another thing is this the opportunity now to just become a defensive a defensive standing team. Force more uh stops on that end, easier buckets on the other end. Guys like Otto Porter be uh would be all right. Um Kaminga, like those long those long wings that they got, these will be opportunities for them to get their confidence rolling. That way, when they do got to play a half-court game, they already feel they in rhythm. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, hopefully we get all-star Andrew Wiggins. He didn't deserve to make an all-star game, but he did. And there's a reason he made it. I mean, he would have been, like, very low on my snubs list, right? Like, I wouldn't have had him anywhere close to the all-star game, but I thought he was worthy of, like, slight consideration. We haven't seen that Wiggins since Draymond's been out. And I think if we get that Wiggins plus, you know, Poole playing, you know, what he's capable of, like we've seen what Poole is capable of. The question is, will he do it? And will the Warriors be the team that he does it for? And I think that we'll see if Poole can carry the load for them. But um, it's going to be a struggle. I can't wait to see how the Warriors finish. Um, Like I said, 12 games left in the season, 11 after tonight. So it's going to be a tough race going down the stretch, but JD, we had a couple of returns. One that happened last week, another that happened. Um, that's going to be happening tomorrow tonight. If you're listening to this, when it's posted, um, let's talk about the one who actually came back first. Brooke Lopez came back JD. And I think that's kind of a big deal for the bucks. Like I think the biggest unknown for their season was whether or not he'd come back. Mm-hmm. And I think now that they have him, I'm not going to fit like, I still think I have Miami as the favorites coming out of the East, but JD, I think the Bucks just got back to their, like almost a hundred percent of their, how formidable they were last year. And I think Brooke Lopez is a huge piece of that puzzle. What do you think about Brooke Lopez coming back for the Bucks? I agree. I think that, uh, what, what he provides for that team, you could tell that they missed it the entire year. Like they, you could just see that they game and the feel was different. Now, don't get me wrong, 
Bobby Portis has been amazing for them. But Brooke Lopez, it's like, I don't know. It's like you can't really just say what it is that just made him stand out for that team. It's just like he just does the right thing when he has to, like, versus smaller guys They, hey, in the playoffs. They want him to play big, and he – People forget he was an all-star because he was a dominant low sports guy. He still got that type of game. And then, all right, boom, you put a big guy on him here, go out there and shoot over him. Gonna, y'all go, Giannis going to make you have to uh, come in and try to stop him. You leave that bit uh, seven footer open, open, and he knocks it down. Then on the defensive end, he's a good rim protector. He was trash for most of his career, but I think I think maybe the last three or four seasons he has been a very respectable rim protector. Yeah, and I I couldn't have put that better myself. I'm not gonna say he's one of the best in the league, but he's probably in like the top half of probably top 10 centers in blocking shots. So obviously, you know, I think Jaron Jackson's a better shot blocker. He plays power forward, but not to get into like distinctions here. I think this is huge for them. And you're right. I think Bobby Portis in the playoffs is going to be getting a lot of time at the four, right? I think he and Giannis will be playing the five, mm-hmm. but, and I think Brooke being out actually helped Bobby in that respect. Right. Oh, yeah. Cause there's he a knew lot. They had no choice, but to let him be him. There's a lot Bobby Portis can't do. But I think it was good for them to see what he can, like, to figure all those things out this year. Because Bobby didn't really have a huge role, like, on the team last year. He was, like, the seventh man, I'd say. But I think that piece is huge for them now. And I'm really excited to see how they use small ball in the playoffs. Um, and I think that now they have their big ball element back, too. So if they play the Sixers, which if both those teams win their first round series, they'd be playing the Sixers in the second round. I mean, Lopez, I trust Lopez enough to guard Embiid. <laughs> you know, I really do. I mean, he's not going to, he's going to get killed by Embiid like every other center, but I try, like at least someone's going to be able to put a body on him and use all six of their fouls. You know, that's more of my rationale. Like you can't contain Embiid, but at least you'll have someone to bang with him and try to make his life a little bit harder. But I don't know. I think that's a huge puzzle piece for them. And I think that the Bucks are going to be really happy he's back. On to the other return that's happening this week. Patrick Williams has been cleared to play in the games. He'll be playing tonight. Um, I'm just going to say tonight, even though we're recording on Sunday night. Um, he's been cleared to play tonight. I don't remember who the, exactly they're playing. You probably know who they're playing tomorrow. Um, JD, Patrick Williams, he only played like, what, four or five games this year? I think he's can be a real potential yeah, piece. I in think a block- at the most 10. At the most 10. That sounds right. I think he could be a real potential piece, Shady, on unlocking this Bulls puzzle and helping them get to the second round, maybe even the conference finals. Absolutely. Absolutely. And to be honest, I I think he's the key. I really believe he's the key that that separates what we can look like on defense and who we are. Everybody talk about how our defensive numbers look down, went down. Well, you got to remember with Caruso and Lonzo, those, obviously those 
our guys on defense. But Patrick Williams was really all we had to guard forwards, like actual, like the elite of the elites. He's in that type of class on defense. And it covered up a lot for Zach and um, DeMar DeRozan. And I think I think him coming back. Well, we, obviously we need Lonzo. I think Lonzo is the most important piece that we got. But I think that I think Patrick Williams is a very close second. Yeah, I think that. Listen, he's it's going to be tough for him to re-implement himself into the rotation, right? Absolutely. But I think there's going to be ways, you know. He's he, they just needed somebody like him, like you were saying, like they needed someone who was six nine and was tough, right? And who had a lot of meat on their bones. Like <laughs> I love Demar, but he's like what six 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 seven. Yeah, he's not very six, seven. He's not very thick, right? Like he's very strong. But he needs to be more agile, right? Or otherwise his game doesn't work. Zach's only 6'5. Javante Green's only 6'5. Vucevic is only, you know, he's 6'11 and he can't really protect the rim. So you need someone like Patrick Williams who can help out on the defensive side. And I think that's huge for them that they're getting him back. And if his shot can fall, that'll be huge for them. I love his shot. I love, I love his shot. If he can, if he's able to get that shot to fall, I think that separates the Bulls from um, where we are now and to compare to where we we were before. I think with a healthy roster, we finish top two. Healthy, we finish top two. But with with his shot, because earlier this season, his shot was falling and the problem we was having was that he wasn't more aggressive so if he come back and we was winning we I think we lost maybe a game or two by the time he went out so if I'm not mistaken for somebody who wasn't aggressive and he comes back just to do um, what he was doing early in the season and still had that same impact. I think as a team, we still, we, we look pretty good. Yeah. And the only, I, the only concern I would have, because if I recall correctly, it was a wrist injury. I, I don't remember which wrist it was. I hope it was his left one. <laughs> that would be my I only. Believe, I think it was the right, to be honest. Uh, that's not great, but I think he'll be fine. Um, I want, he probably wouldn't be cleared to come back if he wasn't, if his shot was affected. So let's see how that goes. But um, JD, I think it's time for us to move on to our teams for the week. I wanted to start with the new Orleans Pelicans. If you need a reminder, our teams for this week are the new Orleans Pelicans, Los Angeles Clippers and Portland trailblazers. Um, We're going to be talking about the blazers in the honorary. You don't want to be in this spot. Second spot. Um, (laughs) Because let's face it. Who is the least interesting team to us on this week it's the Blazers there are some interesting little nuggets though I have to say but let's start with the Pelicans they're 20 they're 30 and 41 good for ninth in the Western Conference they finally passed the Lakers the last week um, has been a little bit of a a a little bit of a um, roller coaster for the Pels Ingram's missed the whole last like he has been out since March 10th and he he should be back relatively soon um, but or he's going to be reevaluated relatively soon. 
but they beat the Rockets 130 to 105. They lost the Suns 131 to 115. Beat the beat your Spurs 124 to 91. And then today they beat the Hawks. I don't have the scores in front of me. I'm going to pull it up real quick. 117, 112. Thank you, JD. So, yeah, the Pelicans are, I mean, JD, the Pelicans started like 2 and 12. <laughs> and now they're 30 and 41. Um, this is the best turnaround I think we've seen, you know, midseason since. Do you remember that Heat team that started 11 and 30 and finished 41 and 41? Vaguely, there the, it was like Dion Waiters and Hassan Whiteside. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's who I uh, was thinking about, and I think I think that was because uh, somebody got injured and they had to play Waiters. Yeah, and Waiters started going off, and that's not kind of what happened this time. Brandon Ingram missed a lot of the season, right? He's missed. They've played seventy-two games. He's missed twenty-two of them. Right? Not great. But JD, like when Ingram plays, I want to say they're 500. Actually, I'm going to pull it up on basketball reference real quick because that's one of my favorite things about that website is that I did read the Pelican schedule, right? Oh, that would have been embarrassing. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, Ingram has been killing it this year. And JD, I want to talk about him because, like I said, he hasn't been playing this last couple of weeks, but we've seen him play. I mean, is it crazy to say he's getting close to being one of the 25 best players in the league? Am I crazy for thinking that? Um, top 25. I think I think you got to put him up there. You have to put him up there. He's like So right now, 26 points a game. Or sorry, that's in, that's a uh, CJ. 22.8 points a game, 5 assists, 5 rebounds. Um, 46% from the field when everyone's throwing their best defenders at him, right? And they're double teaming him a lot. Mm-hmm. And 33% from three, getting to the foul line five and a half times a game. I mean, JD, like, <laughs> what's been, first of all, have you seen any improvements from Ingram this year? And if so, what are those improvements? I think he he's becoming a. Uh, <sighs> underrated passer like he he really can pass the ball and he's much more willing and I think I think now he kind of know he can flip that switch and go off at any moment and I, I like I like the aggressiveness and although he's aggressive he's letting the game come to him he's not forcing nothing he's he playing his natural game yeah and <laughs> he's so young He's only 24 and he was, this is his sixth year in the league, (laughs) but it's just crazy how much he's grown since his first season in Los Angeles and now three years in New Orleans. And he's been like, he's been incredibly consistent when he's been able to be on the court. You know what you're getting from him every single night. And you're right. Like he just lets the game come to him. And that's for a 24 year old. That's pretty rare. And I wish like he had teammates like Jason Tatum had in Boston. I think Ingram's a worse defender. Like I think Ingram's peak of defending is worse than Tatum's is, but I still think Ingram Ingram can make your life hell on the defensive end if he wants to. And I think he's been a good defender this year overall. Right. I think he's a, like you brought up, he's improved a lot as a passer. I think that Ingram to me, JD, like, his teammates have been 
not great. Like the guard play before CJ came in was probably the worst in the league. And including Houston and including Oklahoma City, including Orlando and Detroit, all of those teams had better guard play than the Pelicans. And I think JD, like I just think Ingram to me has taken a leap. And once Zion, if Zion comes back, yeah, that's a if, huge if. If Zion comes back, JD, do you how much? So let's say okay, if Zion comes back. Is it a 1A, 1B situation with him and Ingram? Is it a, okay, like your turn, my turn kind of deal? How would you handle that between those two? Um, considering the fact we don't know how healthy Zion's going to be, he got to be my number two. I and mean, I'm that's a, fair. I'm going I'm to run through Brandon Ingram, man. I mean, I'm interested in seeing – the the effectiveness of they pick and roll. I would love to see that because then we could they could form a one A one B situation where I right, whoever get the mismatch whoever get got the advantage go to work. <laughs> but as of now, I'm taking a guy seen more rough. I mean, Ingram's missed a lot of times this year. At least he's missed a lot of time this year. At least he's played fifty games. It, Man, we don't even know if Zion's still in the league at this point. Apparently, he's pretty close to coming back, but I wouldn't doubt he comes back this year. I mean, there's like I said, there's only there's less than twelve games left for every team. I just I wouldn't do that at this point. Yeah, I don't um, I don't see the benefit of it. It's really kind of pointless. And again, I wouldn't do it, but hey, you know if that's. If the Pelicans want to try to bring him back, I mean, he'd be on a heavy minutes limit. He'd be on a heavy, you know, (laughs) minutes cap. It just wouldn't be good for Zion. But let's talk about CJ McCollum. JD, what have you seen from CJ McCollum since the New Orleans, since New Orleans got him from Portland? Uh, To be completely honest, I, I, I just love the fit. I don't know if it's because we see him more than just the ISO score for once, but I love the fit. I think he shows he's a willing passer. And I think he show he if if he got a big guy, he can work off of him while letting a big guy feed. Like I love that. He like with Nurkic, he knew Nurkic was gonna pass the ball right back. With Valanciunas, he'll give Valanciunas the ball and watch him work, and just be ready to make a play if he get the ball back. And then you you put a guy like that next to Ingram, and what we believe Zion can become. You got you gotta like what what could form now. He's been shooting just the cover off the ball since he got to New Orleans. He's been shooting 39% from three. And you brought up the perfect fit. And JD, like, they Portland approached him and were like, hey, where do you want to go? And CJ's like, I want to go to New Orleans. And they made it work. And props to CJ for, like, being completely egoless because most guys are like, oh, I want to go to New York. Oh, I want to go to a big market. He's like, no, I see a place where I could thrive as a basketball player. Is he getting a lot of shots there? Yeah, he's taking almost 20 a game. 
But he got he got. We've to. always known CJ was a talented scorer. Mm-hmm. But I, I think your overall point was right in that we're seeing a more complete overall game from CJ at this point. And, you know, one of the best ISO scorers in the league dishing out like almost seven assists a game. I think being free from Dame is one of the best things that could have happened to him. And it's not like I love Dame. He's really good. But I just I never thought the fit between the two of them was going to work. I feel like one of them needed to have the like both of them need to have the ball in their hands a lot. And mm-hmm. it just it's not going to work between two small guards, especially when you get picked on on defense. This team has size to cover for, you know, CJ's warts. Right. And obviously when Zion comes back, it's going to throw a whole monkey wrench into that. Mm-hmm. But Herb Jones, great defender. Um, Ingram, like I brought up earlier, fine defender. Uh Josh or Josh Hart's not on the team. Sorry. Um, like you just have a bunch of decent defenders on this roster. And JD, I think that like in that aspect of it too, I think it helps cover for CJ's warts. Yeah. And I, I completely agree. And I mean, let's be honest. We never thought of CJ as a lockdown defender or a guy that's going to come out here and shut somebody down. We know he he's a competitor. He's a great competitor. Sometimes he can make a play, but we don't look for him to be a stopper on defense. So you, what you do is you surround guys like that with capable defenders. For instance, look at what um, Portland had before CJ became the CJ we know now. Mo Harkless, Al Farouk Amino. Look at the team before that. Nick Batum, Wes Matthews. Look at, uh, hell, look at the Bulls right now. A healthy Bulls. Patrick Williams, Lonzo, um, Caruso. These guys help mask Zach and DeMar. Um, the, the old Spurs, Danny Green, Kawhi Leonard. They took up a lot for Tony Parker. Yeah, and Bruce Bowen before them. Yeah. Um, Houston. Why was Houston so good uh, for James Harden? They got a bunch of 3 and D guys. P.J. Tucker, Trevor Ariza. I mean, they had Patrick Beverly. They, this is what teams do. Look at, um, look at Minnesota right now. Patrick Beverly, Jared Vanderbilt. That's that's going to allow guys like D'Lo and Anthony Edwards to, to to rest a little bit. Look at Luca. I think Dorian Finney-Smith a decent defender. I don't think he's a great defender, but he's a he's a great help for Luca. Yeah. Um I agree with everything you said. I mean, masking your best players, you know, deficiencies is literally the name of the game. And it's why, you know, like look at the Bucks, right? How they constructed around Giannis, you know, going the other side of the basketball. It's shooting, shooting, shooting. It's which is what Giannis can't do. Mm-hmm. Right. There's always at least three shooters out there with Giannis and always someone in the dunker spot. And so. There is your you're exactly right about masking deficiencies, but that leads me to a question, you know, again, assuming Zion does actually come back. What do you do at center going forward? Jackson Hayes has looked really good. And that's who I meant to mention <laughs> instead of Josh Hart earlier for what it's worth. Um, Jackson Hayes has looked really good spacing the floor, being a weak side rim protector. 
And Valanciunas has been, you know, Valanciunas is just really solid. Like he always is, right? Like he's been pretty consistently a productive NBA center for the better part of four years now, you know, since the end of his Toronto run and since he got traded to Memphis. But if you're the Pelicans, JD, I I just don't think Valanciunas fits in with the future of this team. How do you feel about it? I completely agree. How do you play him and Zion together? It's a disaster. I, I don't I don't think you can. So you you just gotta hey tip your head, move on from him. And it's it's not to say that he's not a good or great player. It's just we know where their future is. We know they want to build for a future. And and for a guy like uh, Valanciunas, he can go pretty much anywhere. He He's that good. He could go pretty much anywhere and probably start. And if not start, he's going to play heavy minutes. He's a guy like a team simply that needs rebounding and a low post threat. Boston. He fits he fits so much for a team like that just because he's a walker double double. He'll give you eighteen and twelve. Here's an idea for you. Have you watched the tournament? Have you watched Gonzaga at all this year? A little bit. Have you seen Chet Holmgren, right? Yeah. Why don't you draft Valentunis? Like, why don't you trade for Valentunis if you're drafting Holmgren? Like, isn't that the perfect guy to play next to Holmgren? Hmm. Like, let him take let um JV bang with the bigger guys. And then let um, Holmgren pursue the backside. I mean, that sounds great, right? Like, I, I think that's the perfect match for a guy like JV. Makes sense. I, I wouldn't be against it, but it's a, it, it all depends on that team and, and how they're trying to build. That's the problem. Like, I think you can't trust none of the teams today to 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 really. The reason, the reason why I feel some coaches deserve praises and some you got to question if they can coach or not or if it's their ability. I'm sorry, if, if you got to question their ability versus the roster makeup because sometimes you just don't have the pieces to make it work. And then there's other times you just make whatever you have work. Like, for instance, I don't think I don't think Dallas have a winner's formula right now. But Jake Kidd is making it work. He's making it work. I, I don't think that this team can make a deep push. I honestly don't. But He's making it work, and they're very competitive with who they going up against, and that's why some sometimes you got a question like, is it just a makeup or this co- a coach's ability? Like, I don't think we really know what Chauncey Billups could do. You know, mm-hmm. how how can we? So so I think I think right now, like for a team like that, it's best to to put your focus on building towards the future. Don't hold Valentunas to that. Yeah, and I think Willie Green has done a great job with all the guys in New Orleans. Absolutely. I think, you know, 
first of all, he needs more health from Ingram, right? I think that's their way. I think this team, I wouldn't say they're a playoff team right now, right? Like, I think the West is going to be pretty good again next year. Yeah. Like, if healthy, if healthy this year, they could have. But I think, I think there's a world where they trade for Rashawn Holmes. I just, I don't see the Kings being stupid enough to try Sabonis and Valanciunas next to each other. Yeah. I don't think the Kings are that stupid, but I mean, we've seen them do dumb shit all the time. It's the so. Kings. And drafted Bagley over um, Luca, so. And Bagley's, Bagley looks, looks pretty good since he's left Sacramento, but we don't need to have that conversation right now. Um, so I guess my, my last Pelicans question is this. What percent chance do you give them of actually making the play-in? So right now the play-in teams, like, I haven't checked the Nuggets-Celtics score. I'm assuming the Nuggets lost already. Yeah, they lost. So it would be Nuggets-Clippers in the first game and then Pelicans-Lakers in the second game. We agree that the Pelicans are beating the Lakers in that game? No. In the first, we don't. Do you think the Lakers have the advantage over them? No, I just don't know if Brandon Ingram go play or not. Fair. If Brandon Ingram's playing, we agree that the Pelicans are beating the Lakers. Yes. Okay. Because I don't think I don't think Anthony Davis would be back. No, I don't think so either. And then here's the question. Really, any one of these three teams, is there any way the Pelicans beat the Clippers? the Nuggets, or the Wolves? I say no. I don't think they can beat either of those three teams, but I think they'll make it competitive with... You said the Pelicans? The Pelicans. Do you think there's any way they can beat either of those three teams? Any of those three teams? Um, Clippers. <laughs> Just if they don't get their guys back, you think? Yeah. If, as, as long as... They don't get their guys back. They 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 got a shot at beating them. Will they? I can't say yeah. But do they have a shot? Absolutely. I mean, the Clippers have been one of the best defensive teams in the league this year. <laughs> so they have that going for them at the very least. But we'll get to the Clippers in a little bit. For now, we have to move on to one of the worst teams in the NBA, even though their record doesn't say it. The Portland Trailblazers, they are currently... Um, 26 and 44, good for 12th in the Western Conference. They played today as I think all three of our teams played today, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe not. The, I think the Clippers the played Clippers, yesterday. The Clippers did it. The Clippers played yesterday, but the other two did. Yeah. Um, so the Blazers this week, they have they lost to the Hawks 113 to 122, lost to the um, Knicks 128 to or 98 to 128, and then lost to the Nets 123 to 128. I did not realize it was that close. Then today they lost to the Pacers. They got blown out by the Pacers. I mean, we don't need the score. Um, JD, <laughs> Simons hasn't played in a little while, but I mean, Simons is real. Simons and Josh Hart are the only two bright spots on this team, so that's really all we'll be talking about. Um, how have you liked Anthony Simon's growth in his opportunity to just like be the guy for this team? To be honest, I, I, I've been, I've loved it. I've been someone that I, I feel I paid a lot of attention to Simon's for a while now. Um, I just think it was about time. 
he was playing behind two heavily used guys. Like, you can't expect him to show you what he got when he's only playing 10 minutes. Oh, go be the best you you can in 10 minutes. This man, he might not see that same 10 minutes for another two or three games, depending on the situation. So, I mean, he, he, I think he definitely has deserved his opportunity for a while. And I think now that he's had it, he's proved, yeah, I, I belong here. Give me a shot. Yeah. And I'm trying to look at his stats since uh, CJ went down. Um, basketball reference isn't working for me in that regard. But I mean, the first game he played after CJ went down, 20 shots. <laughs> and, you know, he had a game with six shots, but he only played 18 minutes in that game. Basically, he's taken the lion's share of the shots, especially after Dame went down. But the thing is, he hasn't missed a lot of them, right? And that's like, he has to be number one on the scouting report every single night. Oh, for sure. It it doesn't matter. They beat the the Grizzlies after the All-Star break. He shot 11 for 18, 5 of 10 from three. There's a game he shot 7 of 16 from three, and they beat the Bucks. Yeah, right. And Simon's, both those games are better against them. Right. Then Simons, I think, is good enough where you can't underestimate him at this point. Right. I think it's kind of like he's pretty young. He was. I know he was drafted out of high school, like some how some way that I'm not going to try to get into. But he, to me, is a guy who <laughs> I just believe that. Like, remember how what happened at the end of last year with Darius Garland, where all of us were just starting to go like, huh, that guy's pretty good. I think that's I mean, happening. I, I knew it. <laughs> you knew it. But, like, but yeah, he I got think- that opportunity when, um, when was it Sestin went down? Yeah, Sestin mm-hmm. went down. Yeah. And we're starting to see it now with with Simons, where Dame goes down. He's the number one guy on the scouting report every night. Because, like, you brought up monitoring Simons. I felt like every time I watched the Blazers the last few years, Simons always sucked, right? <laughs> like, I just felt like, okay, this dude's not good. But he was so young. I'm like, okay, I'm going to wait till he, you know, gets a little older to make a full judgment on him. And I'm glad I did <laughs> because I didn't see this coming, Right. I would have maybe saw like 15 points a game, you know, on a team like this. Mm-hmm. But I mean, JD, in the last game he played, he dropped 38 points on 25 shots, nine of 17 from three, <laughs> got to the foul line seven times. I mean, he hasn't really become a much more productive passer since entering the starting lineup. I'd say his high in assists was 11. That was against the Wizards. Yeah. <laughs> like, he also had an 11 assist game against Brooklyn, right? Two games where, you know, <laughs> the guys are much more reliable to make shots. But here's a question about Simons for you. Do you think that he could play with Dame? Like, do you think Simons and Dame would work together? Or would, are you, if you're the Blazers, are you just saying it's time to build around Simons and um, go in that direction? I'm trading Dame. I've, I've been saying it for the longest. <laughs> I've been saying it for the longest. Free Damian Lillard. He does not deserve to go through that. He does not, but 
I think at this point, if I'm the Blazers, I'm doing it from an interest of, oh, hey, I have a really young point guard who's doing really well. And I, his stats since CJ went down, right? He started all but eight of these games. 21 points a game. 41% from three on nine attempts a game. That's ridiculous. That's absolutely insane. And he's been a monster on the offensive end. Obviously, the defense isn't what you want. But, J.D., I think the model they have now where they have a bunch of wings alongside Simons, right? Where they have, like, and obviously these wings aren't really that good. Otherwise, they'd be actually winning games. Um, Like C.J. Ellaby, right? (laughs) Or, like, Josh Hart, who I think is the other guy we want to talk about. Like, you just surround him with, like, wings and, you know, Nurkic, who's also out. I think that there's a lot of potential to have a team that could probably make the play in next year if you just add the right picks, right? Like, let's just say they get the first pick in the the lottery. I'm going to check their odds right now. So right now on Tankathon, they're seventh in the lottery odds. So they have a 31.9% chance of getting in the top four, 7.5% chance of getting the first pick. If they get the first pick and they draft Chet Holmgren, and then they, you know, with their other first round pick from the Pelicans, <laughs> there's just so many different ways they can go in this draft. And I, JD, I think that the Pel- the Blazers, I, I personally would build around Simons. Like I, I would trade Dame wherever he wants, you know, just to try to be as classy to him as you were to CJ. Just but please not New York. I, I just feel I want RJ Barrett on the Blazers. That's something I want to happen. Nah, I beg for Dame not to go to New York. Please get RJ Barrett. Free RJ Barrett. That's my new media campaign. Um, get him off the team with Julius Randle. But JD, you had Josh Hart thoughts. What are your, what were your thoughts watching Josh Hart this week? Same thing I, I've been saying for years. I like him. I don't I don't care nothing about how small how small he is compared to other forwards. He's a true competitor. He he just go out there and he give it all he got, time after time. He knows his strengths, he knows his weaknesses. And he he he's very well disciplined on trying to stay away from doing things that he know he's not that that good at. To the point where you be like, why he don't why he don't do a little more? You will ask yourself, like, I wonder what he capable of if he tried this more, if he did this more. Because he's so he, he's he's a very disciplined player as far as sticking to his game. He's not going out there to try to prove nothing. He sticks to his game. I I love I love watching him play. He had a 40 ball, I think, two nights ago. Well, two games ago at least. It was four games ago, but yeah, 44 against the Wizards. It was four? <laughs> it was the And they've the- been playing every day, or mm-hmm. it's just been a fast week. I think it really has been a fast week, but yeah, seeing he had 44 against the Wizards was hilarious because the Wizards are a joke. Um, I do think that there's like a limit to Josh Hart, and I'm glad he knows his limits. That being said... I mean, when he was like one of the top 15, like just in rebounds per game last year, I was like, okay, that's awesome. You know, you're bringing every night, you're bringing the hustle at that forward spot. And 
you know, traditional rebound statistics can be a little bit overrated, but when you're six, five, basically he's a guard, right? Yeah. And he started as a shooting guard. He's like, a, he's a small forward. He's a um, tweener between shooting guard and small forward. Like to be that small and go in there and fight for every rebound like that, that says something to me. And that says something like, Oh, I'm not willing to, I'm not afraid to get my hands dirty. Right. And he's a good defender. He's a decent shooter. He's not, he's never been like a great shooter. I would say I'm, I'm going to check the uh, shooting percentage since he got to the Blazers. I mean, <laughs> 36% from three since he got to the Blazers. That's pretty good. Yeah. That's about in line with what he usually does. I mean, I'm not saying he'll be like Marcus smart. Good because Marcus smarts, a generational defender at the guard spot. But and a much be, better passer. I would say he's like a dollar store, Marcus Smart. And that's not an insult because a dollar store, Marcus Smart, is still very helpful to your team. And I think that Josh I Hart, think he'll upgrade from Avery Bradley. I mean, <laughs> it's funny that all those guys in that uh, Lakers-Pelicans trade are really impactful. Like, the Lakers scouting department is the only part of that team that gets anything right. <laughs> Yeah, but they just don't develop over there. <laughs> no, no, it's absolutely crazy because you're, you're right. I mean, none of the guys have hit in Los Angeles, but Josh Hart is on his third team now. And the second team that missed him is, you know, the Pelicans. And obviously you trade Josh Hart for CJ McCollum, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, obviously. But I still think that Hart... I, I wouldn't say it's a worthwhile return for CJ, right? I think that the Blazers probably should have gotten more, especially for a guy who is a franchise legend. That being said, you know, if they get Hart in like the 12th overall pick in this draft, I, I think they'll probably be fine with the return. I mean, I'm really, I, I just want to close the Blazers like this. I'm not going to ask you any more questions about them because this team's pretty depressing. Um, I think they have a pretty solid young core right now if they decide to trade Dame in the offseason between and Josh Hart's not that young but he's not that old either right I think he's like the perfect like age gap for this team yeah I think you got Josh Hart you got Anthony Simons you got Nas Little right those three guys are all very good um and we don't I agree we can't judge Chauncey Billups as a coach right now because they've had too much stuff going on but I like the way he's empowered Simons. I think that's one thing mm-hmm. else I'll give him. He and gave him a load of confidence. And he gave him the keys to the car. Now, mm-hmm. were you going to give the keys to the car to Chris Dunn? <laughs> or are you going to give the keys to the car to Ben McLemore? CJ Ellaby? Probably not. But this team to me, JD, I, their team that in the future I'm taking seriously because of that guy. Right? I think finding that point guard, right? Finding that point guard who can make pull-up threes is one of the most valuable things you can find, especially in like a later pick, right? Mm-hmm. Like the Raptors and the, the Raptors and the Blazers both hit on them. And like after the lottery, Garland was a lottery pick. Trey Young was a lottery pick, but still those two guys have been instrumental to their team's success. So if you can't find a play, like a playmaking wing, <laughs> getting a pull, a finding a great pull up point guard is your next best shot at success. And I think the Blazers, the Blazers have a blueprint. Let's see if they execute it. Mm-hmm. I agree. Now on to the Los Angeles Clippers, the weirdest team in the NBA this year. I don't think it's been close. Um, weirdest. Nah, Philly the weirdest. Okay. The like weirdest, the traditional but, weirdest. <laughs> but the Clippers is very awkward. 
Yes, it's not been great for our Clippers. I say our Clippers because we're both very invested in their success. Um, 36 and 37, good for eighth in the Western Conference. They're not going to climb any further. I don't think they're going to fall anymore. They have a pretty comfortable cushion. The last week, they lost. They beat the Pistons 106 to 102 last Sunday. And then they're on a three-game losing streak right now. They lost to the Cavs 120 to 111 in overtime. They lost to the Raptors 103 to 100. And they lost to the Jazz 121 to 93. And I have not mentioned cleaning the glass once this podcast. However, it is time to mention them. Um, right now, <laughs> I just want to—I wanted to check their defense and offensive splits because, you know, net rating is usually a pretty good indicator as to whether or not a team can win a championship. And so the Clippers right now are currently. <laughs> God, where is their net rating? Um, let's see. <laughs> I can't find it out here. They're so they're 19th in net rating. They have a negative point differential, but their defense is still their defense is eighth, and their offense is 26th. They can't score without their top two guys. They couldn't really score with Paul George. Not having those two guys is gonna lead to your offense to being completely anemic. But JD, how have you liked? what Ty Lue has done in Los Angeles this year. I think he's done a phenomenal job personally. Can't, can't, can't give him anything less than that because when he had Paul George, the Clippers was one of the scariest teams in the West. Like, you didn't want to see them because, I mean, they got Mr. Do-It-All in Batum. He just knows he just knows how to fulfill every role that you give him. Marcus Morris, I mean, when healthy, he is still give you 18 regularly. Um do I even gotta go into Reggie Jackson and revitalize his career? Terrence Mann. Um that's the I think that's the one person we want more consistency from. As a as a fan, we just want to see Terrence Mann be who he was at least halfway every night when, as if he was going against Utah game six. Give give us that halfway every night and, and you will be loved. He accepts all the challenges that he can, but I don't think he goes out there and use that same aggressiveness as he did there. Um, the trade for Norman Powell and Covington, I loved it. I, I really did. I hate that Norman Powell got hurt. At, at first, I didn't really like the trade, but now I love it. After seeing what Norman Powell was for them and the possibility of PJ and Kawhi coming back, I'm like, he could be a great third fiddle there. I just felt there was better guys to go after. But uh, I can't say he's a bad guy for that team. And Covington is Covington. He's a great fit everywhere. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason why Covington has been traded you know, the last four years. He's like good enough to help move the needle this much, but he doesn't move it enough where it's like, oh goodness, this guy is in like he's untouchable, right? It, exactly. Oh, one more thing. Zubak. Zubak mm-hmm. has been great. 
I think Zubak, because he's so much of an old school type guy, I think sometimes what he's doing is overlooked, similar to Steven Adams. Not game style, but just the way that they they handle all the fundamental things. Yeah, they are not the eighth-ranked defense without Zubac. Like, he is an integral part of their team. I think Hartenstein, too. That guy's played 59 games for them. He's been pretty good, like, off coming off the bench for them as a backup center. And he deserves, like, a lot of credit for holding down the fort <laughs> for, you know, 17 minutes a game. This team can throw a lot of different looks at you, right? Like, Marcus Morris can play the five. You know, you have Zubac or Hartenstein. There's just so many different ways this team can attack you. And yeah, the Powell thing sucked. There's no two ways about it. Like <laughs> I saw, I looked up while we were talking, cause I was like, I wanted to know if there was any progress on Norm Powell. And apparently law Murray from the athletic tweeted that, um, he's out like, or Terrence Mann thinks that there's no, no way <laughs> that, um, Kawhi or Norm come back this year. However, he didn't say anything about Paul George. So that's very encouraging. This team just has a little bit of everything, right? A little bit of punch. Brandon Mm -hmm. Boston's been really like, he's not good yet. (laughs) But I think this development time on the big team has been really valuable for him. I think he can be like a player that creates his own shot in the future. Maybe like a trade asset or something. Um, I mean, this team I thought was really smart at the deadline. You know, obviously with the Covington and Powell trade, but I also thought, you know, the Baca trade, they didn't need a Baca anymore. Like a Baca has been fine in Milwaukee, but they didn't need Serge Baca, right? Like with the emergence of the centers. And I don't know if I told you this comparison, JD, but I think I brought it up last year when I was um, doing the podcast with Dylan about Reggie Jackson. And tell me if you like this one. I think you will. So remember in 2015 when, um, the Cavs were a little listless. They needed a new infusion of energy in their team. So they traded for three guys. Timothy Mozgov, Iman Shumpert, and J.R. Smith. Right? Hello. And remember, J.R. Smith, which really struggled under David Blatt. Then Blatt leaves. Ty Lue comes in. Ty Lue makes J.R. Smith one of the, I'd say, one of the most valuable Cavaliers on that team. Ty Lue completely changes the way he played, made him a 3 and D player. No one would have ever said J.R. Smith was a 3 and D player. Not at all. But Ty Lue was able to turn him around. I think he turned his reputation around until, you know, J.R. made the blunder in game yeah. one. But I think before, like in between the 2016 and 2018, J.R. was one of the most valuable Cavaliers. And I think the same thing is happening with Reggie Jackson, right? Reggie Jackson's reputation was at an all-time low. They got him on the buyout market. <laughs> and sure enough, Doc didn't really know how to use him, and he wasn't very good in 2020. <laughs> Ty Lue comes around. I agree. Ty oh, Lue, I agree, Doc. He, oh, you know how I feel about Doc. But, J.D., you see where I'm going with this, where Ty really turned around Reggie Jackson's career, and Reggie's stats aren't great. But if you put Kawhi or Paul George next to him, or hell, even Norman Powell, just someone to take any of the scoring burden off of him, he'd look his stats would look a lot better. And how, is that am I crazy for making that comparison, JD? Can you say that again? So am I crazy for making that comparison? 
for uh, between Jr. and Reggie? No, only because I think you know how it's certain guys in this league where you just say, "I believe only." They should be able to do this. That are the, those are those type of guys, like Reggie Jackson. When he first came into the league, I don't think many people know he couldn't shoot. That's why him and Westbrook couldn't play together. Well, in Detroit, yeah, he was putting up numbers. He was not a good shooter. He come to the Clippers. We like, all right, he can shoot. But then he took things to another level when he started playing as an all-around scorer again and then went back to being a point guard. Like, he's dishing and keeping other people involved. That I think it's only a few guys who can adjust the way they play over and over and over again because we've seen J.I. come into the league as a dunker. Then we've seen J.I. turn into a an all-around score. Then we see him become a knockdown shooter. And we like, wow. And the entire time, we looked at both of them like they were overconfident guys. We thought these guys just were too confident. Just to turn back around and be like, ha, ha, ha. They had something to them this whole time. So, yeah, I agree with that take. That was a really beautiful way to put it. I mean, I, I couldn't put it better myself. Um, <laughs> I want to talk about Luke Kennard, my man sniping this year. Oh, man. 45% from three on six attempts a game. I mean, I, I just, I, this team has so many different avenues to attack you, right? And that's goes to, that's a credit to the front office, right? This front office and coach, is such a beautiful marriage because they can really just give anything to Ty Lue, right? Like Eric Bledsoe wasn't half bad for them. Like he wasn't great, but Bledsoe wasn't half bad for them before the deadline. I make that trade 10 times out of 10. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he wasn't bad. I didn't personally want him there from the start. So I was obviously happy when he got traded. But I like you know they try stuff right like they tried the Justice Winslow thing didn't work oh well let's get him out of here right yeah and, and, uh, and he's been good for uh, Portland but I mean it, it just didn't work right Braden Boston like I brought him up earlier but the thing didn't work so he hasn't been getting as many minutes lately so it's just like all this different stuff and I want to see you know it sucked that Keon Johnson didn't work out there but again I trade him for. Those three guys any day of the week. I mean, so if Paul George does come back, right? Let's let's assume he's the one that comes back because I'm not going to assume that Kawhi comes back. I'm not going to assume that Norm Powell comes back. Are you still scared of them in a playoff series with just Paul George and the rest of the like the rest of the squad looking looking the way it is? You got to be. I mean, quite frankly. You have to be, because if we're going to be completely honest, when Kawhi went down, not only did Paul George. Wait, let me start from this. Paul George was great with Kawhi. He got better 
when Kawhi went down. And I mean, they could have easily went up on Phoenix. It was a couple just plays that didn't go their way. Like the free throws, the 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 switch didn't happen. The blunder um when Aiden dunked it at the buzzer. Chris Paul had a freakish game. Like it just some stuff didn't go there. And Kawhi went down. Some stuff just didn't go their way. But we seen when Kawhi went down, they dominated Utah without him. The game, the games where they beat Phoenix, those weren't games where it was like, oh, these, these some very close. No, they, they actually was given, given Phoenix a, a terrible time. That's why Chris Paul said we have to win game three. It was imminent that they win game three because he knew if they didn't, their chances was going to feel like it, it slipped away. So I think you got to be scared. And, and then I, I, you could argue that this team is better than last year just because he's going to play more gas. Like he he didn't – like um, Patrick Beverly said, he knew Talu because Talu coaches – based off what team's doing, how to beat this team from doing that. And he said that's why he didn't play much the first series versus Dallas until they they needed him to. Then the next series, he he started again. You know, and so when you look at, like, right now, the the lineup that they had when they, find, when they did beat Dallas, they went small. They had five guys out there sit sitting up. They can do the same thing right now. And you can argue with more talent. Like outside outside of Kawhi going down, you can literally say if they go out there with Marcus Morris, PG, uh, outside of Reggie Jackson, because we know Reggie's still gonna be in Atlanta. Reggie, PG, um, Covington, Batum, and Marcus Morris. I'll take that over Terrence Mann being the fifth guy. I mean, <laughs> I really want to see if it's possible. I really want to see the lineup where it's like Kawhi, Paul George, and then Norm Morris and Covington. Uh, I, oh yeah, like, on the defensive on for defensive purposes, I would love that. Like, imagine having Morris as your guy to bang down low against centers and then having Covington to play the weak side. Oh, my God. That's like Covington or Kawhi or PG. I mean, Batum even was getting nice blocks. Like that. That's a scary thing that you they wouldn't be like the Golden State uh, small ball. But this would be like Miami Heat at their best. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Where LeBron was playing the center, like this, this you can you can argue it to be that. Well, D Wade was the shortest guy on the floor, and obviously he better than Reggie. But they had Shane Battier next to him. Um, 
Mike Miller, and Mike Miller was not even a defensive guy. <laughs> you know, they just had a bunch of guys sit seven and up. Yeah. I mean, there's no really, like, teams that committed a small ball other than that failed Rockets team that you and I heavily disagreed on and you were proven right about. Or, um, <laughs> like, the Warriors were small ball, but they also played Steph, and, you know, their guys were also just built different. Like, Draymond's built differently than anyone in the history of the NBA. You know, like, Harrison Barnes was, six, like, a legit 6'9". Yeah. You know, and could... Like, I think Harrison Barnes is an, a very underrated part of that first title. Like, Harrison Absolutely. Barnes, he handled Zemo. And Zemo is one of the, like, toughest guys to guard in the league for the better part of... Yeah, I don't know, 15 Z- years? Z- Zebo definitely bullied him. Harrison Barnes just got smarter and learned how to beat him to the spot still. Yeah, I mean, it's small ball has taken a lot of different shapes, but I think the Clippers have a lot of versatile pieces. And plus, I think they're bad defenders, right? Like, Luke Kennard's not a great defender. I don't think Reggie's a really great defender, but he's fine. You can cover for those guys that aren't good enough because you have so many other... Damn near elite defenders. Yeah. And I think, like, Norm Powell's just fine on defense, right? I want to see him with that group. I want to see him with, you know, that... I hope he can come back for the playoffs. I hope him and PG are back for the playoffs because I think that there's a chance they make a run. I really... Oh, yeah. (laughs) Especially if they draw this Warriors team. I don't think they will because they're probably going to get the eighth seed. But, man, oh, man, it's going to be... It's going to be interesting to watch the Clippers. Um, Ty coach of the year. That's, I mean, I think Ty Lue has just been amazing, that, like coaching this team this year. And I know they've really struggled in their 36 and 37, but damn, man, <laughs> missing all of Kawhi and missing more than half the season from Hall George. Yeah, I haven't played since December. <laughs> yeah, and they're still 500. I mean, He's just an incredible coach regular season and postseason. And remember when the Lakers didn't want to pay him what he thought he was worth? Yeah. <laughs> when, that was ridiculous at the time. It looks even more ridiculous now. Yeah, and I think I think they they've been having to pay pay for that the worst way. And I mean they would have looked a lot better with Jason Kidd as the coach too, but let's um let's not talk about that. Any like last Clippers thoughts you have before we end for the night? Um, no, no, no. I don't think I do. I think if anything, I'm, I'm, I'm just interested in seeing how they, how they could put together a situation where all they guys can, can, can just be healthy. Like, can we get them healthy? I, I I just want to get a situation where they team don't suffer a bad injury. Like year after year, they miss they they key guys. I mean, in my opinion, you always knew what the deal is going to be with Kawhi, right? You didn't see an ACL tear coming, but you knew he was going to miss, you know, like twenty five to thirty games every year, right? Yeah. Paul George is the one where you're like, ooh, that's rough. But Paul George hasn't exactly um, been super healthy the last few years either. I mean, not not since coming there. Not since coming there. I mean, he wasn't healthy as last year in Oklahoma City. If yeah, he starts because he shoulder. was co- and he was coming off uh, that shoulder surgery for the clip when he got to the Clippers. That's why he missed half the season. Yeah, he so. had two new 
uh, reconstruct his shoulders. So he played 48 games out of, you know, however many they played in 2020. He played 54 games out of 72. This year he's played 26 out of 73. And the odds are he's going to miss even more time than that. I mean, that's not what you want, but at the same time, it's like, what can you really do about it? And Ty Lue, you know, has made the best of his circumstances. And I think that's why, like, I think it's him, Taylor Jenkins, and J.B. Bickerstaff for Coach of the League, and Monty Williams. There's so many good coaches in the league this year, and there's also Tom Thibodeau um, <laughs> and Doc Rivers. I got I to gotta put uh, Donovan in there. I mean, there's like I said, there's exceeded, so many good coaches. Exceeded expectations for sure. So we were number one for most of the season. I'm not going to act like Billy Donovan doesn't deserve to be on the top three. It's just it's so many good coaches. Yeah, Katie. I so, agree. So many good coaches, but I think that's it for us. We covered a lot. Um, you know, we didn't really talk much about the Blazers roster, but they didn't deserve to be talked about. I mean, um, we don't know half of those people. I mean, have you heard of? <laughs> I think there's a guy on there named Brandon Williams. I mean. Have, it's, have they roster Norfolk to this league, but have they roster is gen, generally like speaking fresh G leaguers. It's good for them that they're getting the opportunity, but it's yeah, not. yeah, it's it's just they not a household name for for um people to just know right off the bat. I mean, we still gonna learn. Hell, they teammates still gonna learn them. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But I think that, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. And I bet you some of those guys end up turning into rotation players. You never know. So I agree. I think that the Portland, I, like I said, I think they have a brighter future than what it would appear at first glance. Um, but JD next week is our last three teams. Um, we got the Pacers, you, the Lakers, you, and the Hawks. Eh. <laughs> like, I'm okay. not. I'm not so, terrible. So I got Malcolm Brogdon, LeBron, and Trey Young. I mean, okay. Yeah. If you if, <laughs> if you uh, spin it that way, I mean, that's one way to look at it. I mean, uh, I could say two names for every team. Exactly. I mean, so those teams. I, I'm kind of intrigued to watch the Pacers. I'll say. I'll say that because I haven't caught a whole lot of them with Halliburton. I want to see how that is going. I, I love him and um, Brogdon together. I think you are like like that dynamic. I think I will too. And I don't think any of the Pacers fans. <laughs> in uh, our they group, won't, especially not Caleb Lynn. Hey, they, they hate Brogdon for some reason. Um, but after that, I think we're going to do the recap of the teams Dylan and I did where so we meant to do that over the all-star break, but wires got crossed. That happens. Um, but JD, what do we got coming out on facts and sex? I know you put out a wonderful episode last week. Tell them, tell us what that was and tell us if you got any future good ones coming out. Um, I talked about uh, family dynamics and um, conditional versus unconditional love. Obviously, you know, um, some people say, yeah, I love unconditionally. So I, I wanted to dive deep into that, uh, what unconditional love really is. I'm working on um, a bunch of new topics as well um, for pointers. Um, I got one about relationships um, during our generation. Like to to specifically hint about our generation. Then I'm I'm working on another one um, 
I'm going to keep that one under wraps for right now just because I'm still fan-tuning some of the details. And then I got um, I got a couple more. I got one about Brotherhood that that I got to uh, release then. Got one more about appreciation and giving appreciating people while they're here. So it, it's a lot I'm working on, A.B. You know I got to get busy, so I mean, I, I get it. I don't appreciate you for what that's worth. <laughs> yeah, I mean, never have. I mean, but that's I think that's why our dynamic works so well. No, those all sound like really interesting. I can't wait to listen to them. Um, make sure you check out the other list products on the Running Hook Podcast Network. Make sure you check out the Future Power Hours. Make sure you check out um, Linsanity. They're doing, it's NCAA tournament time. Then they're going to be a quick transition to the NBA playoffs. Oh God, it's going to be so much basketball content from Caleb Lynn and Bryce Shaddy. Devin Voss was actually on the last episode. Didn't have time to listen to the last episode of Linsanity. I wanted to, but um, I was in Arizona this last week. So if I'm a little, if I send it a little more uninformed than usual, also a little sicker than usual. Those are the two reasons why. <laughs> um, and make sure you check out the uh, Circle City Cinema. Um, they haven't put out an episode in a couple of weeks, but whatever their next episode is, it will be a banger. JD, I want to thank you again for joining me. Of course, brother. I loved it. I loved it too. And I hope the audience loved it as well. They did. Or I got to tell them something they don't want to know. Well, just tell them now. Just tell them now. If you guys didn't love it, well... <clears throat> No one loves you, so damn harsh but fair. <laughs> if you did love it, thank you so much for listening.